Welcome to Beware the Wild Animals. We're a community of people living our one wild life with purpose and passion. Everyone has a story, and sometimes these stories are a little crazier and more wild than you'd expect. Get ready for adventures, excitement, challenging opinions, and lots of rule breaking. Hang on tight, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Welcome Rebels. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Beware the Wild Animals. What a guest I have for us today. Um, I'm just going to read her bio because some of the, the stuff that, that she's going to bring is just, it's, it's amazing. Um, Charlene Charlie Tuch is currently serving as a health volunteer in the Peace Corps in Uganda, Africa. Prior to that, she was a fitness and finance professional. She likes to say that she stretched muscles by day and money by night, coaching and teaching strategies to resolve pain and enrich the quality of life, both physically and financially, have been her obsession for more than two decades. But her crowning achievement and greatest inspiration to live this wild and nonlinear life is her 20-year-old son, Reese. She's so thrilled to share her journey with one of its most profound detour conspirators, apparently that's me, <laughs> and with all of you too. So uh, welcome, Charlie. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure and such a treat to get to speak with you because I missed you. And just so, for um, for fun, I'll say Webaleo. That's uh, welcome okay. in uh in the rhetorical language that I am now speaking in Uganda. Wow, are you really? You're like actually speaking the language. Uh, okay, so if they speak slowly enough, yes, I can pick a few things. I'm I'm actually tested, um, so I, I currently sit at intermediate me me medium. I think is the uh, the the level of evaluation that my language is currently sitting at. That's awesome. That's so cool. Okay, so a little bit of background information. I have known Charlie for I don't even know how many years, like lots and lots of years. And um, she started as a client, right? You started as a client, and then became an agent with us, mm -hmm. um, all the while being um, a stretching consultant um, in, in your own business there. And, um, and, and you pursued the finance thing until your current position with the Peace Corps. Um, so I, I've known, I've known you for a long time. And, um, first of all, to hear that you're speaking an African dialect is really kind of cool and a little crazy to me too, but amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so I'm so happy for you. And I guess I'm part of the, you know, what do your friends and family think about all of this? Um, when you told us that you were going, that you were thinking about joining the Peace Corps, I was like, are you kidding? Really? <laughs> and I should have known better knowing you that yeah. you, you, you kind of don't say things you don't meet. <laughs> so, um, you know, keeping, let, let, let's, let's kind of, start back at the beginning. Um, Beware the Wild Animals is the title of our podcast. So I gave it away a little bit, but in your own words, how does that pertain to your life? What does that mean to you? Well, 
I must say, I absolutely love the title. I love, um, I love your purpose and your passion with all this. So that, that just has to be said. Um, and I think that when you sent me the questions and, and just so you know, the questions are spectacularly ridiculously hard, most of them. <laughs> so thanks at least for starting off somewhat, um, somewhat simple, but, uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask, beware the wild animals, what do you think it means to you or how does it pertain? You know, the more you say something like beware to me, the more I want to just dive right in. It It's very clear that I am someone who is not, um, uh, I don't hesitate in the face of challenge. I tend to be attracted to it. And for whatever reason, your title really speaks to me in, in that vein of, you know, where can it be as as wild and as amazing and as adventurous as possible? And yes, you should be careful, but to me, it's, it's it just means you got to go. I mean, you only have one life, so you better enjoy it. That is so true. So true. Yeah. That's and awesome. and it... it, it when you talk about wild animals, it's um, it's how intriguing to me that I currently sit in a place where within the vicinity of my home, I can see the big five, like the safari five. So I literally live amongst leopards and lions and elephants and monkeys, and I, I'm literally living with the wild animals right now. Oh and I would have goodness. never in a million years ever imagined that. I literally spend the evenings watching the cows come home. So. Okay. The cows so, yeah. I totally get. Like I love cows. <laughs> <laughs> the cows are cool. But I mean, I don't know a lion that has the possibility for just showing up on your back porch. Well, I guess that's a bit of a stretch. I'm not exactly, they're, they're not in my backyard. Um, but Queen Elizabeth National Park and several of the national parks, some of the greatest in all of Africa, are in uh, the country that I currently reside in. Okay. So I, I do have them at my fingertips. <laughs> and I have now gone to visit them twice. The only ones I haven't seen yet here are the giraffes and the zebras. So they're on my list. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. Okay, so... Our family is not, um, we're not super fans of traditional zoos because, you know, we don't like to see animals in captivity the way that they're not, you know, they're not supposed to be. But we do go to the ones that where they're re rehabilitating animals that yeah. will then go back out. Um, except for, you know, some, like the cows where we live right now, cows are just <laughs> everywhere, you know, they're yeah. just pastures. So, so that doesn't really count, but um for what's it like to to realize that you're standing in front of animals like that these majestic animals in their natural habitat that they belong and we don't mm -hmm. i mean there really is a lot for me you know when i arrived in africa the first you know couple of weeks were seriously uh, this feeling of i'm in upside down world everything I know and, and understood and all the skills that I think I have acquired over my life and the talents and the, you know, they don't mean anything. It's a completely different world. And so you're, I'm in a place where the natural evolution of things is still happening to some degree. Um, when, 
when I came back, I'm here right now for a visit. One of the things I noticed right away, Trish, was the squirrels. Squirrels are everywhere. Like the squirrels, the squirrels. We're, I'm feeding the squirrels on the balcony. I'm enjoying watching them. They're hilarious. I don't have squirrels. And I was like, why wouldn't I have squirrels? And it's my assumption is, and I suppose I could Google it to give you the truthful answer. So forgive me if this is fake news, but um, I, I believe it's because, you know, predators still exist in such a, you know, a normal big way that we don't have those little guys, at least not in the, not screaming out in front of us because something would come to grab it, I imagine. Um, so, yeah, it really just feels like it's, I guess I feel like I've been taken back in time to the way the world might have been, you know, before we yeah. started building and developing it, which is exactly, I guess, the truth of it. So, yeah, it's really majestic, but it also sucks by yourself. Um, mm. One of the biggest lessons I've learned in being here because people are like, oh, you get to travel and you get to do all these things. But I got to tell you, I, and this may not be true for everyone, and certainly it isn't true for everyone, but for me, for sure, you know, when you when you get the opportunity to see a leopard in a tree and you don't have anybody to like elbow and go, oh my God, look, yeah, there's something very much missing about that to me. So yeah. I, I like to say my time in Africa seems to continually be a bit of a triumph and a tragedy, sort of all, all at the same time. So when you decided to go, you just kind of told people and nobody else was really on board? Or did you, like, were you hoping somebody was going to go with you and they didn't? Hmm. I... He, I, if I have, if I haven't heard you guys say this to me a million times, then I've never heard it. And that is how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely true, especially for my larger endeavors. You know, the things that will involve a, a bit more intensity. That I do tend to keep things under my belt until I have a a, a modicum of certainty of things, <laughs> and so. Throughout the application process of Peace Corps, uh, they tell you in every, you know, in every, uh, you know, part of the medical things that you're filling out and in all of the interviews and the correspondence that you receive as you're going through checking all these boxes that you are not, um, what's the word? You're not uh, guaranteed that you have made the Peace Corps cohort yet, like until literally two weeks before I was supposed to leave, they tell you, do not quit your job, do not sell your things, right? Do not change your life because you have to pass this, you know, we had COVID tests then too. Mm -hmm. So I had only shared with a few people because I needed to, I really needed to have the sounding board of people. And I am blessed to be in family and relationship and fellowship with all sorts of great thinkers, right? And so, of course, I, I would tell you that there there were plenty of what I, I deemed conscientious objectors. <laughs> like, they they weren't necessarily thrilled that I was going for sort different sorts of reasons. However, if you know anything about me, and, and you do, because you've already sort of stated it, that, um, you know, they make they may question my choices, but my character has never been in question, I think, with most people, right? And 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 people are the fabric of my purpose. And so they were what could they say? You know, they just could they couldn't say no, you know. Um, and then I think the last month 
before I left or the last two months before I left, every day seemed like a going away party. I was always at somebody's house for dinner. I was being, you know, spoiled. I was getting, take this with you. So it's, it's never been a regrettable decision ever because it's always had great support. And even coming back now for this visit, I have, I've just been spoiled out of my mind. Um, I mean, you just really realize how, how rich you truly are. Um, when when you lay all your cards on the table so yeah that would be my answer to that they weren't some of them weren't necessarily thrilled and i really kind of compiled the list of like the top five questions you know why are you doing this what made you what you know um but for the most part it's all been it's all been a whole lot of of good support so you kind of leaned into the next question there um why did you choose to do this was it always a goal? I, you know, I have this sort of response that I have, I guess, in a way rehearsed and repeated several times, which is after COVID and, and job changes because of COVID, my son becoming 18, graduating high school by the skin of his teeth, um, and just wanting to be a parent that is able to somehow teach purpose, right? Teach a life of purpose. And especially during a time of, um, you know, purpose over profit to me is a big deal. And especially as co as we were coming through and out of COVID, the expense of everything, the inflation of everything, the politics of everything, everything was just so sort of ugly and and difficult. And that's for the adults, you know, those are the grownups, right? For someone who's a kid, basically, I mean, if you're 18 to me in these days, you're still kind of a kid. Mm -hmm. I was like, how do I teach him how not to get caught up on this hamster wheel, this this treadmill of of life? Um, and Peace Corps had been lingering back there. And I thought, well, what better way to model for him? Because, you know, if you've ever parented for half a second, you realize they're not listening to what you say <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I'm Forgive me if that's wah, not wah, your experience. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly that is my experience as a parent. Um, and but you, so it just it taught me really quickly. I, they see what you do and they see who you are. And and to me and that's true for me for everything like, you know, I've always been a customer service person and a, a hospitality person. So what people see of me, what I do to me is far more important than what I say. And I figured this would be a really great way to model that. Now, all of that to say that's been my answer. But, you know, as you as you reached out to me and I started to consider these questions, I feel like that's not really 100 percent truthful. So oh, oh. if I was going to be a hundred percent truthful with you and and i want to because this is a great platform for it right is is to tell you that the the honest answer is i just wanted to prove i, I like to prove to people how brave i am how strong i am and peace corps to me seemed like a really the toughest job you'll ever love was always the marketing you remember the campaign yes, way back for when sure, for sure and yeah. and i've never forgotten that and i love to travel i love language i love food I love trying new things. So honestly, I guess it's it truly is a selfish endeavor in that I I just like to to maybe prove to everybody and myself how tough and strong I am. How long is this this journey? Like do, when you sign up with the Peace Corps, is it a specific amount yeah. of time? 
So it's a 27-month endeavor. It's uh, three months of training in the beginning when they get you into country, and then it's basically about two years of service. What I have gleaned from a lot of the other volunteers who are mostly in their 20s, maybe 30s. I'm one of only two. Yeah. yeah, I'm only one of two that are in the, um, you know, the second chapter of my life, let's say. And they will actually, most of them will bail out a little early because some of them will be starting graduate programs or perhaps government jobs based on what they've accumulated here with experience. But I'll go till October of 2024, which will put me at 27 months. And there is opportunity to extend or re-up and rejoin and, and do all of those things. So you can't ask me what I what I think about that because I, <laughs> I just don't know yet. Like there's Are you just, able to decide like in October? Oh sure. Oh sure. Yeah. They they'll be, you know, it's always an unfolding for sure. That's really cool. And, be- and because you stated earlier, because you know me, um, <laughs> you know, if I say I'm gonna do something, I do it. So I'm not committing until right. I have a modicum of certainty to answer right. that question. So <laughs> there you have it. So um you brought you brought up your son and um you can just kind of glaze over this if you don't really want to answer but is does he love that you're doing this does he hate that you're doing this how does he feel you know we can never really know as parents what they're thinking even though you really want to know (laughs) you can't you can't and oh my god like you know what I'm talking about. If you can, you get into the 18 year old mind. What is the 20 year old like? What are they thinking? It's such an impermeable, you know, uh, firewall. But here's what I think and what I believe and what he's told me um, recently. Our relationship has never been better than it is right now. Um, when I left initially back. Uh, almost a year and a half ago, we were at that place of, you know, you call, uh, talk about rebels, right? That rebellion of um, him, you know, needing his independence, me trying to give him responsibility and, and accountability and figure out how to help guide him. And that was, you know, going like this, which you can't see in a podcast. We were definitely beaten heads, right? Um, so having left, initially it was just, you know, miserable to say the least right the last thing you want to do is ever leave your children and but then that magical thing that time is is really this magical medicine and it does make the heart grow fonder you know and and as i had shared with you my original intention was always to bring him to africa like I'll get him over here i want to show him because i'll have the opportunity to do that or we could travel you know i could but without thinking, right? It was hard enough for me as a 52-year-old woman with 20 other people in a government you know, um, authorization and navigation to get to a foreign country with yellow fever shots, the right visa. Like, So I don't, I don't really know what I was thinking, that that would just be like, put him on the plane and get him over there. <laughs> um, but because he hasn't been able to be there and because... Um, you know, all we have are our text messages and, and WhatsApp video chats or whatever. I think he is. I think that he is very proud. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. 
And, and, you know, they're quite funny too, because, you know, what comes out of your kid's mouth sometimes is always a surprise. And he has definitely surprised me in making reference about me to other people, like his girlfriend, he'll describe, you know, having a conversation about his mother. And he, uh, he definitely surprises me that uh, he sees and has seen all those things <laughs> that you kind of thought they never see. So good job, TJ. You had your <laughs> Oprah moment. <laughs> sorry, Barbara Walters not, has nothing not mean on to make, the, make no. you cry. <laughs> oh, please never be sorry. And you know, I always, especially nowadays and, and, and you have been in the throes of teaching women to advocate for themselves for longer than I have. Certainly but it's definitely been a passion of mine. And, and I think it's great that, you know, you're, you and I can share vulnerability and I think everybody oh, yeah. should. And that's part of being a wild individual. Absolutely. You got to get there to know what, what's real. It's just a little snotty. It's just a little <laughs> squishy. It's just a little mushy. So I'm really glad there's no video because that's fine. <laughs> you can hear me sniffle. You just can't watch it. <laughs> uh, that was a, a, just sort of, um, unexpected but yeah that's it means a lot obviously well i am sure that um reese just thinks i know that he thinks the world of you so uh, i'm sure that he's very proud and he should be he should well be. and right? it, it just to add one final thing to that what's really funny is that um ultimately having worked in in various businesses that deal with customers and clients I have a gazillion of them over the course of all these many years. And so when I came back, you know, I've reached out to a select number of people in, in working out an itinerary that I can manage, but they all knew, or at least I, I, I thought I had made them all know that my priority is my son. You know, the main reason I'm here is for my son. So I'm already getting those, you've been here two weeks and you haven't called me and, and I thought you liked me and why aren't you going <laughs> to see me? And I'm like, listen, there's no such thing as priorities. There's priority. And you all fall short when it comes to that man child of mine. So yes. they all take a backseat. So, yeah. And so that, and you know, what's funny is all I wanted for him as you, you know, as, as you're navigating motherhood, mothering, you know, your kids is you want them to be successful. You want them to be happy. You're, you're teaching them life skills to the best of your capability or you're showing them what not to do by screwing up your own life a whole bunch of times, which is perfectly fair and valid. Um, but what's really funny is that one of the reasons we butted head so hard is his holding a job and employment was, you know, has been a challenge. Well, I've, I've been, I'm gone a year now. I'm making plans. I decide I'm going to come home for the visit to see him because I wanted to so badly. And so I let him know, you know, a couple months in advance. I thought I, you know, maybe I'll surprise him. But you realize when you only have so much time and this is a, a big trip to come back yeah. it would behoove you to make the most of your time so i let him know and sure enough you know before my arrival i'm like well maybe I, when i get there i can take us to bush gardens we can go on a vacation for a week we can and he's like well mom just so you know i, I can't take any time off of work but i can see you after work and on weekends and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> There are swear words that I'll keep out for your podcast, but I was like, sorry, right. I could always mark it E. That's fine. I was, I was like, gosh, darn it. <laughs> you know, I, I, all I want is to see him, but I can't knock him for finally holding down a job, wanting yeah. to be responsible to it and not take the time <laughs> off. So I'm like, 
All right, you got me there, kid. Touche, touche. So yeah, yeah. It's always it's always fun when you're you know you want to do something play hooky and then and they're like being the responsible one. <laughs> who, who are you and what have you done with my son? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. Besides seeing him, which I'm sure is is the highlight of your time home, what other things were you most looking forward to coming back? Just for this brief little vacation from your current life it's an easy question to answer because there really was one thing and one thing only and that was to be with as many of my people and laugh as much as i possibly could because people are like what do you want to eat what do you want to drink you know what do you miss where do you want to none of it none of it i couldn't care less about any of it now, okay, the public sub I had today I was, was pretty say, darn not even good. The pub I'm, sub. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, that was top of the list. Um, but I live in a country at the moment where the people are, they're amazing. And, um, and they're so lighthearted. They are, they never take anything seriously. They're in conversation laughing all the time, all the time. No joke. I'm not even kidding you. They laugh all the time, but because I don't have a grasp fully of the language, I don't, I don't get to participate in it. Mm. And though I went into Peace Corps, I'm telling you, TJ, with zero expectation, because, you know, you get, we've lived long enough on the, this earth to know that anything can happen. So I really didn't have any expectation, but I did. And that only expectation that I did without realizing that I had it was that I thought, sure, I'd go and make friends. Like, I thought, sure, the other Peace Corps volunteers and we'd be buddies and we'd be doing all this stuff. And and that truly was my biggest is my biggest disappointment um, is that I just don't I've spent a lot of my life building those incredible connections. And yeah, you are definitely a people connector for sure. And yeah, so when you take me out like that, I realized, holy crap, that's the thing. And so ex exercising with people, Trish has been my, like, I want to go to class with people. I did a yoga class with somebody the other day. We went to the fitness facility with a friend, like, because on my own, I don't do it. And for those of you that are listening to this, teaching people how to exercise properly and move and stay healthy has been my, my career passion forever. But when it comes to doing it myself, I can't because, you know, I recognize the value of coaching. So being with people laughing like and playing games like we're all gamers. So I couldn't yeah. wait. Like we've been playing, sitting down, playing games. So there is no substitute um, for the people in my life. And, and you know, they are the fabric of my being and nothing else matters. You can't buy that. Can't replace it. So if you're. Um, over there, you said that you are a health volunteer mm -hmm. over there, mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense for you, obviously, with your your um, movement, physical therapy background, that kind of thing. What are you doing over there? Uh, well, my uh, number one uh, activity is working with youth with HIV. I do a lot of HIV, AIDS, HIV prevention work and um, health, uh, like youth reproductive health, basic health, uh, immunization and outreach, like malaria prevention type of thing. And I mainly focus on groups of young people and they 
I do work in schools where we bring curriculums that involved soccer. They call it, we're it's football. Mm-hmm. By the way, it is football. I I I am now an advocate that it should always and forever be football. It makes total um, sense to me. I will agree. Of with course. You. Yeah. Um, and all you have to do is, I mean, you could drop a balled up piece of paper or plastic into the middle of a field and like a swarm of bees, <laughs> children and people will appear. And it is extraordinarily rewarding to to do this kind of work with kids. Like I just, I'm, I, I love them. So I work with youth and I work with a lot of youth that live with HIV so that we can come up with programming and um, things to prevent stigma and discrimination. Mm, okay. So, I mean, we're a little... I don't know what the right word is. It AIDS and HIV was a big thing here, obviously in the in the eighties and nineties, um, and then it it I don't even know what the right word without without making it just something less than it really is. I know that it's it's a well. I can explain it to you. Yeah. Why did it fall off? I guess in the United States, if you understand so- my meaning. Of course. And I had to be educated on all that too, because you and I come from the same, probably similar space and place of understanding of it. You know, we lived through it during the 80s and 90s, -hmm. and we sort of watched it um, in the peripheral. So, and these are terms that I didn't understand either. You know, I really didn't know what first world and third world really meant, right? I guess I didn't really understand what a developed country and a developing country means. But HIV and AIDS is the perfect example of the difference between a developed country and a developing country. Because in the United States, a place where access to at least the information, the education and the resource and the medication is more readily available, you have very, very few cases of HIV and AIDS at this point. That's not the case in the country where I come from. And I think it'd be great to give your folks a little bit of information that I found to be very um, interesting and, and necessary to understand is that Africa is often, well, first of all, a lot of people think Africa is a country. First of all, Africa is a continent and mm-hmm. it has 50 plus countries, you know, similar to our North America, right? Uganda is roughly the state of the size of the state of Texas with the same amount sort of population wise, but the average median age of a, of an African is 19. The majority of their population is youth. Okay. The average family size is they have round about seven or eight children. So depending on which country you're in, that number may vary on the upside. So I'll give you the, the the lower level is seven or eight kids. So basically you have children having children for a whole host of reasons that would require another day. Mm-hmm. But what's happening, what's happened in, in, in these countries is that um, children are born into the disease. It's not just yeah. as much as an acquiring of the disease because we're still talking about communities with rural villages where access to healthcare is not available and you have to have access to the medication and the information. So I teach a lot on the idea that we have medicine in this world that can basically cure HIV. Now that that's not a hundred percent accurate, but what it does is it makes HIV 
undetectable. And what that means is that somebody can have the disease, but not spread it and have a family and have children and not give it to them because of this medication. But much like legislation, right? You can pass a law and though the law is the law, until you change people's minds, the law may or may not make any difference. And that's the case here. We have the medicine, but because we don't have enough of the information and the education and the resource to spread that around, it doesn't have the same effect to end the prevalence rate that we have in in a developed country like America. I'm sure that's probably true of a lot of things, a lot of diseases. And One of the truest things I have heard said, um, and what I have learned and I'm learning is that, you know, Africa is often mistaken as people like to say, Africa is poor. Africa isn't poor, it's exploited. There is a ton of corruption and all sorts of things. So, and yes, we have it here in our country as, mm-hmm. as, as we know, but it seems to be a bit more uh, covert where there it's, it's much more overt. And so that it keeps people from living truly, literally and figuratively. Mm. So kind of um, thinking about some of the other questions that I had you think about what, um, what would be then like, we have a, a best moment, worst moment for you while you're there. So if you want to do like worst, since we're just coming off of a really tough part of it. Okay. Um, Well, okay, good. Yeah. Okay. We'll get the worst out of the way. I think currently I'm dealing with a situation context. Um, When I first arrived in in country, we were post COVID. So there was a tremendous amount of COVID protocol, still COVID kind of environment happening. That's why the previous cohort had been evacuated two years before and they hadn't had one since mine arrived. So COVID was a bit tricky getting into country. When I got into country, we got to training, several of us where we were assigned to, Ebola came, so we had to be reassigned. Um, And again, interesting, not at all, it, it was handled so well, it was not like that was a bad thing. The place I was assigned to, I enjoyed tremendously, but then I had to be reassigned um, inevitably to get to my own organization. And where I have landed um, in our area of the country, we are experiencing an awful lot of terrorist activity. And I'm Mm -hmm. kind of, I'm drawing with my fingers kind of around the boundaries of the areas in which me and several of the other volunteers live. And that's that's sad and it's hard not because we are in well you're always in danger i mean you never know what's going to happen anywhere you are whether it's dc or uganda right right um but because i know i'm very well taken care of by the peace corps i don't feel physically in danger there but what we do experience on a regular basis and as a woman and as a mom the hardest things for me to deal with is that as a peace corps volunteer i am a foreigner in this country um when I witness domestic violence and child abuse, I don't, I don't have a position in which I can do anything directly about it. Mm-hmm. And I have spent, and, and, and gender-based violence here is one of the main causes of so many of these um, societal ills. Um, and to have to watch it, and you know me, oh, and yes. not want to, you know, 
I swear I have to pray a lot for God to forgive murderous thoughts. Like I really yeah. do. And, and I, and I, and I, having said that, I've found my faith to be the greatest it's ever been because you have to lean on something you don't understand to get yeah. you through things like that. So that's the tough part is watching, watching people get hurt in front of you. I can only is imagine that's not terrible. my thing. Yeah. It's not my thing. It's like God really, God has a really good sense of humor trish mm -hmm. and it gets it's he seems to get funnier and funnier all the time <laughs> <laughs> okay so on the funny note lighten things up a little bit what has been the uh the funniest or the happiest however you want to go about that uh, i'll give you a funny one and um i uh i one of the things that you learn, Peace Corps is really great about giving you strategies and tools to integrate into the communities so that you're living amongst the people and learning from them. You're not above or outside of them. And church for me here at home was, was definitely a happy place for me and a place where I could go and be with people of like mind and family and fellowship. So, um, the country of Uganda is heavily Christian. There's Muslim and there's some other, um, other, <laughs> there's some witchcraft things going on too. And, you know, crazy like village tribal mm. things that might still happen in some places, but Christianity is big. So there are churches everywhere. So I've sort of been on the, you know, the hunt for church, a church that I could go and, um, enjoy. And, um, so I try to, you know, when I was in training, I went to the church that was sort of in our hotel building and, and it was cool because, you know, you learn how they do ceremony and, and church is long, like they are committed to hours and hours <laughs> and hours of worship. They make God very happy with that. I am sure. So the place that I had lived when I was first assigned a neighbor had mentioned that she was going to church and i was like hey i would love to to join you i'd love to try your church if you ever feel like taking company and so she said okay well just so happens tomorrow night is like worship night for we're, we're practicing our worship for christmas so you're more than welcome to join and i thought well that's even perfect more perfect because it's not exactly a church service but i'll get my god on <laughs> and and it, it may not involve some of the more lengthy um commitments perhaps that I might have found in some other churches. So I I put on my um my katange, which is the you the the African um uh, we had dresses made when we were sworn in for Peace Corps. Well, all of the volunteers in the different groups had particular uniform. We got, got to choose like a, a style. And so all of our different areas match. So the guys have their katange patterns and we had ours so i put on my dress and and i you know i got myself pulled together for church and we went to church so we entered into it was a, a large sanctuary building they had a bunch of plastic chairs for the congregation and a full-on stage set up with music and people were up there singing and practicing and there was just a few people kind of scattered in the chairs behind me so she walked us sort of directly up to to the front now it's very common when I am being introduced anywhere, I uh, I generally will get marched up front. They tend to make a big deal, and and I I try to avoid that. I feel much like <laughs> you. I'm so she's like, hey, do you want to go up on stage and sing and dance with me? I said, oh no no no, I'm good right here. I'll be right here. I'm gonna watch you. I'm gonna clap. I'm gonna cheer you on. You're gonna be awesome. So fine. 
And so they're playing music and they even had a couple of the TV monitors, you know, where they put the music lyrics on and they played a song and I'm pretty sure it's called Imagine. And it's a worship song that I'm very familiar with, right? One I'd heard. And the minute they started playing it and the words started coming on, I it was I was bawling. I was obviously being touched by the Holy Spirit. So I was like, this is great. And then I saw a man, an older gentleman coming out with his Bible, kind of moving towards the pulpit. And I thought, oh, there's going to be a service or maybe he's going to, the pastor's going to speak. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was down for it, whatever it was. And sure enough, they sort of wrapped up the singing and he takes the pulpit. He goes to speak and I can't even remember. I did journal about it and I, I wanted to pull my notes before I spoke to you today, but they're not here. They're in country with me and I, I don't remember the thrust of his message. I do remember he moved me beyond words. Like I was, it was just for me. It, there wasn't anybody else in the church. He came to speak to me. It was great. And so they're wrapping up the service. He's, you know, he's spoken and um, they're doing some altar calls to pray over the the choir team. And they prayed over the, the worship team. And, and then, of course, do we have any visitors? Do we have any people new? tonight and so the lady i'm with is you know she's just shoving me into the aisle like no matter how hard i tried to resist she's like you gotta go you gotta go so i walked up and sure enough when i turned around to address the congregation because he wanted to introduce me there were 400 people in the room it had filled up behind me the entire time i was there and i didn't realize it and so i'm standing there and he's putting the microphone in front of me and so i speak my my small amount of rotoro you know, Musibere Muta, which is how are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm I'm so happy to be here. And Samerewe Kukurora, I told them. And they lost their minds because anytime you have someone, a foreigner, speak the language, they get very excited. It's a it's just the most welcoming. So I'm having this incredible welcome. I'm having this incredible spiritual overwhelm. The pastor then says, Is there anything you would like to say to the congregation? And I was like, You have a great pastor. They lost their minds. They thought that was great. And then without missing a beat, he says, and are you married? <laughs> now, normally, when you're in town and we're, you know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to navigate my way through this foreign space, oftentimes I'll say yes, because it just avoids a lot of things, right? Yeah. But I'm in church. I've just had, I can't lie. Can't lie, God. Right? <laughs> I'm like, shit. I was like, lightning is coming. So I was like, no. And without missing a beat, he goes, all right, I'm taking applications. I'll vet anybody in the congregation <laughs> that's interested in coming up. And he's like, and this is a good one. And she's, you know, and I was dying. And then before you know it, he says, let's pray for her to find a husband. And all 400 oh people gathered around. And I was having all of this prayer put over me i was anointed with the power of you know husband finding and then the dancing and the singing commenced after that so that was by far one oh, of my, my favoriteest funniest moments that i have had i can't tell you how you know how god works that's, that's hysterical um, right no, yeah i mean that's just that's just <laughs> funny i mean maybe it's more funny because i know you and <laughs> <laughs> right oh, yeah oh, wow. and um well you and know I must, you never know what god has in store right uh, uh, that is correct <laughs> and it's it's apparently it's a very common thing um even before i came into the peace corps i did some reading and research on it and it's very common peace corps 
volunteers tend to get romantically involved with other Peace Corps volunteers. It's what I had read. And when I watched some of the stories, I had seen quite a bit of the Peace Corps volunteers talking story about who they fell in love with and blah, blah, blah. We actually have a volunteer in our cohort who did marry a Ugandan within three months of being on site. He's married. And several of the the Peace Corps volunteers have coupled up. Like it (laughs) happened just the way they said it did. I'll tell you what, when it comes to Peace Corps and how they run their operation and the kind of things, because it's been around since 1964, they know what they're talking about. They they absolutely know what they're doing and um and who they're dealing with because they they have called every single thing. I I'm 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 still without a husband. So, you know, if you two are taking (laughs) applications, you know, I'm I'm still swipe right keep you know i'm still we'll make sure all of your um contact information is included in the podcast (laughs) notes so that people can follow along and you know you you have no idea slide into your dm (laughs) so this is where the wild things are going it is your next um you know relationship app yeah (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome all right so we're gonna kind of wind things up a little bit what um if you could, you know, it, it wouldn't cause death or, or any, you know, major change like that. Um, if you could change anything about your wild ride, what would you change? This is by far your hardest question, right? This is the one that just, I, and it really had me banging my head on the wall. Um, Cause there are two ways I feel like you can go with it. Right. Or there's a number of ways who doesn't have something they, they would, change right yeah i would say you are definitely dealing here with me with a person who i I don't i don't do regret i don't really do a lot of regret i feel like there are two kinds of people in the world the kind who look and the kind who leap and if you've listened to this for 10 seconds you'll know which kind i am (laughs) i i don't tend to consider a whole lot i just tend to you know let's let's go and see what happens so at first i would say well i wouldn't change anything like no, I don't have a perfect life. And there's a lot of things I, I, I say I would have done differently. But if anything you do differently changes everything, there's no, yeah, you know, I, sure I always hated, I always hated the stories about time travel or the movies about time travel, because I feel like it's, it's incongruent. You can't, you can't go back or forward. But, but if there was one thing and you, you can't change one thing without changing everything, but I would parent differently. I I would parent differently. I what I see about the Peace Corps and and people that are doing it in their 20s and 30s, their experience with watching how children and families in other parts of the world are living and and how it would change everything. It it and thank God it, it, I'm still a parent. Like he still yeah. is my son, so it will still affect what happens in his future. But yeah, I think um I think having experiences like this, being outside of what you see all the time in the same way, everywhere, doing it differently as you did, right? You did as a parent. You you kind of looked at 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 the the way things were being done and you chose to do it very differently for yourself and for your children. So I think that would be the only thing I could think of. I think I wouldn't take some of the things that that the world of of our our state and our our public education system i allowed them to to be the voice of how i parented and 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 how i chose to make choices for reese 
And I, I would, I would so go back. I would so let none of, so many things don't matter. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. love your kids. Be with your kids. Just be with them. And, and yeah. And yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many parents wouldn't have the same response just because, you know, it's funny that you said that because last month, um, my guest, we were discussing the same thing. And, um, my answer was, was basically the same. You know, there were things about my parenting that I would have changed. Um, and, uh, I, I think just as a parent, that's probably, again, not a regret, but, but yeah. in hindsight, you're like, that could have been better, you know? So I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yes. You know, I can't even tell you how many big mom fails that I have been a party to of my own. So I, I get that. Um, the good thing is, is that they are resilient and, um, you know, they, they see us learning from our mistakes. So eventually they'll figure it out too. You know, yeah. Let's, Being vulnerable. Pray for that. <laughs> yep. Is super, super important. Yeah. And I, if you haven't made 8,901, you know, mom mistakes, you don't, you don't get your status yet. You know, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't, you haven't, if, if you're one of those great, perfect moms, you and I would never get along. We just wouldn't be friends. <laughs> you know, if you, if you did it all right, you don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> not no, a chance. Not, not allowed here. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, so final words of advice, wisdom, what can you share with us? I would say, I think one of the, the last questions you put there, that advice question, made me think to myself that always, always, even when your head tells you, you don't need it, and you can do it, never do anything by yourself, right? It takes support. I would say if you can have therapy all your life, you should. If you think you can't get therapy or get coaching or someone of a higher level to input into your life, you can. We can find you a book, but always, always lean into people who have been there, done that, done it better, understand it. The things you don't know don't keep trying to figure them out by yourself. It's so dumb. It takes so long. And then you wish you had done something else so much sooner. And I'm a hard headed, I know that's shocking to you, individual, <laughs> you know, stubborn. And I just, you know, I always had something to prove by myself for myself um, for a whole host of reasons. So that would be the piece of advice is that you're always so much better off when you ask for help. You really are. Well, you are totally speaking directly to me right now. I don't know who mm -hmm. else is listening, but that went straight to to my heart, to my gut. Um, John will be like screaming at the top of his lungs. Thank you that you just said all of that because, well, and, you know. And it's super important that I never touched on this, but it's because of you and John that so many of my life's decisions were so radically different than what they would have been had you guys never entered my life. That's a good you know, thing. oh my God, <laughs> so good. Like, and I, so I, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you just a quick laundry list of the things that I want to personally give the Puritans credit for. Oh, for no. me, for me, God, <laughs> like you gave me God in, wow. in such a great way. And, um, and you, you definitely kept 
an ignition going for me to keep looking for more in in places that I would have never looked before. So the idea of, you know, don't, don't write something off just because it doesn't sound good right in the beginning. Let, let it marinate, let it percolate a little bit. And for all of the great education, personal and professional development that I've probably had over the last, it's probably 10 years, I can easily give the Puritans a tremendous amount of credit for all that work. So for my family to yours, because they would, I would have never been able to go to Africa. I can tell you right now as a volunteer with the Peace Corps, if the Puritans financial education and industry had never entered my life. And that's huge for any family. And mm -hmm. so, and now I can say that I'm, I'm sure I've been able to do that for a few others. And there's, there's no, there's no substitute for that. So thank wow. you for that. And plus your kid gives the best hugs ever on the planet. <laughs> and and when you talk to him, you better tell him that at some point when I have made my full return, he will be stalked until I get my, <laughs> my Ethan hug fix. We will. We will definitely share that with him. And, you know, just to, to say thank you so much um, for all that you've given us, obviously, too, over the years and your friendship. Um, but, you know, watching you do this is it's such an inspiration, you know, um, and and to know, you know, to have you say that that we are, are part of that. That's that's such an honor. Thank you so much. So glad that you took the time to catch up with us today. Um, it's so good to see your face. I've, I follow you, obviously, you know, your escapades all on social. So it's always wonderful to see that. But um, it's it's such a pleasure to have spoken with you today. So thanks again for being here. Um, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. And uh, we look forward to when you get back, maybe we'll redo this and, and have uh, 2.0 to see how it all ended up. Yes, I think because you just never know, right? Nothing exactly. is ever linear for me, for sure. So <laughs> it would be a, it would be my pleasure. Thank you for letting me. Wow, many Let blessings on your way back. Amen. Cross your fingers, say your prayers. Yep. yep. Pray for Uganda. Everybody, keep 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 your good thoughts because world's crazy out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, thanks again. And thank you everyone for joining us today. We look forward to having you join us again next month. Take care. Beware the wild animals. We question everything looking for opportunities to learn and grow. We're living our adventure, our one wild life with purpose and passion and always on the lookout for others to join us. Please join in the journey. Hit subscribe to follow the show and leave a review to let me know how we're doing. I'd appreciate it. And if you're someone who fits the description, I'd love to talk to you about having you on the show. Your story might be just what someone else needs to live their one wild life. To contact me and sign up for our monthly newsletter, you can visit my website, tjpurits.com, or head over to social media. All you have to do to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, and X is search for TJ Puritz Author. Thanks again for being here, and I'll see you on the next excursion.